Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. You have your Bibles turned to 2 Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1. We are in a series called Anchor for My Soul. And if you were here last week, we, we kind of gave you a couple of tools to resource you and to help you. One of those tools is this Bible book of promises. And I know last Sunday we sold out completely, but we are restocked. Um, so we reloaded. Come on, can I have a good amen? If you didn't get one of these books, please do that today before you leave. I know at all of our campuses, we have this resource available to you. This is a thousand promises taken out of God's Word. Now, I think if you were here last Sunday, we talked about documented 7,487 promises in God's Word. How many of you, you just, if you just claim the promise of eternal life, Oh, just Lord, if, if you just give me that one. But he's given you thousands of promises to stand on for your family, for your health, for your children, for your future. Um, so this Bible book of promises is a, um, it's a great resource. In fact, when I started memorizing scripture in college, I said, well, what scriptures do I need to memorize? And the Holy Spirit said, well, start with the promises. So I took a book just like this and said, you know what? I'm going to start memorizing what God said over my life. And so that resource is available to you. And then also this bookmark you got last week, uh, this will give us the outline for what we're going to talk about today. If you were here last week, we talked about promises in the storm. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about promises for your life. And I want to give you three, and you'll see what those three are on the bookmark. Uh, I want to start with 2 Peter chapter 1. Here's Here's what the apostle Peter said about the promises. Verse 3, he says this, by God's divine power, he has given us everything we need for living a godly life. You know what? We could just camp out right there. Who? Let's sit in that for just a moment. Do you know that God has given you everything you need to do what he's called you to do? You've got a great calling, an assignment, a kingdom purpose on your life. And Peter starts by saying that God has given us all that we need. How many of you know there's no lack in God? There's nothing missing, nothing broken. God didn't forget anything. He says that we have all that we need for living a godly life. We received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Verse 4, and because of his glory and excellence, check this out, he has given us great and precious promises. Somebody say great. Say precious. Now, this is the apostle Peter is describing what you and I have through God's word and the promises that he's spoken. The word great there in the Greek means mega. Anybody know what mega means? Anybody been hungry and you're going through that drive-thru and you, no, I don't want small fries. I need you to supersize it. Mega means to enlarge. You know what? God's promises will enlarge your experience. There's nothing small or insignificant about his promises. They are great. Somebody say great. And they are precious. Say precious. 
What does that mean? They are valuable. I don't know what kind of resource you have at your disposal that you feel is of great value, but nothing is more valuable than what God has given us right here in this book. Can somebody say amen? He says, by his glory, his, his marvelous glory and excellence, he's given us great and precious promises, and these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. You see, there is a function. There is a purpose. When God gives you promises, they are great in size, and they are very significant in value. And when you begin to apply the promises of God in your life, in your family, in your specific situation, there is an enablement that comes with God's promise. There's a power. Somebody say power. There's a power connected to the promise, and he says it will help you to escape some of the traps, some of the craziness, and the corruption that's in this world. It enables you, and it's also an escape. So it's power, and it's a path. And I love this series. I think this is so valuable to where we live today. There's a lot of practicality in applying God's promises. But I want you to know this. You can have them within your grasp but never claim them as your own. You can have it close to you and still it's accessible, it's available, and yet you're not walking in the fullness of those promises. I want to encourage you, press into the promises of God for your life. Uh, part of this series is creating awareness. You, you need to have a, a working knowledge of what God has said. But then once you have that awareness of the promise, then you got to know what to do with it. Can I have a good amen? And God's promises, here's the framework for the message today. God's promises speak to our past. They speak to our present. And they have something to say about our future. The word of God speaks to the past faults and failures, and, and shame, and sorrow. The Word of God has something to say. God's promises speak to your past shame. It speaks to your present realities and to your future hope in God. Now, the first one, if you notice on your bookmark, let's look at the first one, okay? I'm only going to give you three. We talked about three last week. We'll talk about three this week. If all you had were six, out of the 7,487, I want you to know, you're going to be doing just fine. Romans 8, 1. Here is the promise as it relates to our past. Romans 8, 1. Scripture says this. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Somebody say no condemnation. Let's, as it relates to our past, here's what God says Here's what he's promised in his word as it relates to your past. Number one, this is the promise of forgiveness. The promise of forgiveness. Perhaps one of the most important promises in all of Scripture. You say, Mike, why is that important? Because every one of us has a past. Can I say that again? You and I have a past. Sometimes there's this, this notion, and I know it's not here in this church, but the world would look at a church and say, well, I've got to clean myself up and make myself presentable to come to God's house. 
Some people feel so condemned in their spirit that they won't even come to church. Some people, have you heard it said, some people say, well, I'm not going to church because it's just full of a bunch of hypocrites. How many has heard that before? And you know what? That's true. <laughs> None of us lives the way that we should. Uh, but you know what? Thank God for grace. Thank God for mercy. Thank God for the power of forgiveness. And what does it do to our past? All the guilt and shame of yesterday is gone. That's why we say every Sunday, I'm not perfect. We recognize that we're broken. But I serve the one who is. We don't come to church based on our perfection. We come in our brokenness, in our messiness, in our failures, in our shortcomings, and we say, God, I need you. And what does he do? He applies the grace by Jesus that was shed on the cross. You see, in 30 years of ministry, I'll tell you this. I have seen guilt and condemnation take out more people than even sin itself. I'm telling you, this is a big-time battle. One, one, of the, one of the stories that I heard a, a while back, I think, captures this whole battle with guilt and shame better than anything I've heard. A little boy named Johnny visiting his grandparents. Grandparents gave him a slingshot. He'd never owned a slingshot, didn't know what to do with it, but was in the backyard of the farm, and he was tr working out this slingshot, trying to figure it out, trying to take aim. And man, he, poor Johnny just struggled. He couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. So he, hours he spent out in the backyard, and Grandma called him in for lunch. And so Johnny starts trudging home and can't figure out how the slingshot works. Out of the corner of his eye, he sees Grandma's pet duck. Little Johnny, out of impulse. Have you ever done anything out of impulse? Out of impulse. Man, I'm not hitting anything anyway. Why not give it a try? Pulls that rock back in the sling, lets it fly. Boom! The only time he hit the target all day, hit Grandma's pet duck right in the head, killing it. He, sh he was shocked. In a panic, he picks up that duck, and he, he buries it behind the wood pile only to look up and see his sister Sally. She had seen everything. But Sally didn't say a word. They sat there and had lunch, and Johnny was quiet, and, you know, Sally was very confident. Grandma says, well, you know what, Sally, will you help me wash the dishes? Sally said, you know what, Johnny told me he wanted to wash the dishes today. <laughs> didn't you, Johnny? And she leans over and whispers, quack, quack. Johnny's like, oh, yes, ma'am. I was hoping I could wash some dishes today. That's exactly what I wanted to do. So Johnny washed the dishes while Sally went out and played. Well, later that evening, you know, after, after dinner, Grandpa said, hey, listen, I want to bring the kids fishing. Grandma said, you know what? I really need Sally's help, you know, in, in doing some things around the house. And Sally said, but wait a second, Grandma. Johnny told me he wanted to give you help around the house. Didn't you, Johnny? And she leans over and whispers, quack, quack. Johnny said, yes, ma'am, I'm here to help. I don't care about fishing. I just want to help you. Well, several days went by with Johnny doing both his chores and Sally's chores. Finally, Johnny couldn't stand it any longer. <laughs> he just broke down and he said, Grandma, Grandma. 
I gotta tell you, the other day I was in the back and I had this leg shot in your duck and I just, oh, I can't believe I killed your duck, Grandma, I killed it. Grandma leaned down, she said, Johnny, listen, I saw the whole thing. I was watching from the window and I just want you to know that because I love you, I forgive you. But I was just waiting to see how long you were going to let your sister make a slave out of you. And I wonder if some of us as Christians, come on now, talk to me. We hear about the love of God. We know about the sacrifice of Jesus, but yet we're so plagued by guilt and condemnation that all we hear is the devil say, quack, quack. It's hard for you to worship because in your ear, the enemy's whispering all the things that you did. What, what you used to do or maybe what you did last night. You see, listen, what do you do when you feel condemned? I want, I want you to know there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Now, the Holy Spirit brings conviction. When we do something wrong and something on the inside of us disagrees with what we've just done, what we've said, what we've exposed ourselves to, that's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will convict us to bring us to God. But the enemy will condemn us. And condemnation doesn't bring you to God. It pushes you away from God. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Remember there in sinless perfection? They were there in paradise. They had perfect, unbroken fellowship with God until one day they ate the forbidden fruit. And when they sinned, what did they do? You see, sin creates shame. Watch this. When we fall into sin, then all of a sudden now we're ashamed. And what does shame force you to do? You hide. Man, I can't come to God. I can't come to church. I'm no good. I'm not worthy. I can't sing that song. I can't sign up for that go team. Man, I can't participate. I'm so unworthy. The Bible says that Adam and Eve hid. Shame will cause you to hide. And God says, where are you? Not because he was confused. How many of you know God knew exactly where they were? The question was not for God's benefit. It was for theirs. What did God ultimately have to do? After, I mean, they're, they're, they're hiding their nakedness, and God says, listen, I'm going to cover you. What did he do? He used the skin of an animal. I want you to notice this. That was the first sacrifice mentioned in all of Scripture. There was a blood sacrifice that was made that day in the garden, and God himself covered them with animal skins. Can I tell you this? God offered the first sacrifice and the last sacrifice. There was a lamb of God named Jesus. And on that cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus suffered, he bled, and he died. And guess what covers us today? Not the skin of an animal, but the blood of Jesus. And I want you to know that there is power in the blood of Jesus. There's wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, no. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Come on, say the blood. We're saved by the blood. Say the blood. 
We're healed by the blood. Say the blood. We are forgiven by the blood. Come on, there's power in the blood. <laughs> you say, Pastor, why are you getting fired up today? Well, here's why. Because the devil wants you to give more credence to your sin than you do to your Savior. The most wicked, vile, evil, perverted thing you have ever done or said or thought can be covered by the blood. It can be gone forever. Listen, everybody in that book that you're reading had a past. Moses had a past. Remember when Moses killed the Egyptian, buried him in the sand? What did he do? He ran. Sin creates shame. God had to find him on the backside of a desert. Come on, somebody. God had to say, listen, listen, listen. I have, I have called you. I have redeemed you. Don't let the sins of yesterday keep you from doing what God's called you to do today. Because when the blood is applied, it changes everything. Paul said, Romans 8, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus. He uses that word belong. Why do we belong to Jesus? Well, he paid for us. When he paid for you, now this is for those who are in Christ. You know, the, the, a non-believer cannot pro proclaim this promise for himself. This is for those in the family. And when you're in the family, there's a certain privilege that comes with being a part of his family. He says, we belong to Jesus. Why? He paid for us. How did he pay for us? He paid it in blood. I love this 2 Corinthians 1.20. The Bible says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. Somebody say yes. Who are we talking about here? All the promises of God find their yes in Jesus. So consider this, Jesus is heaven's yes when it comes to the promise of forgiveness. You say, am I forgiven? Well, according to Jesus, heaven says yes. Jesus is heaven's yes. Now watch this. It's not just heaven's yes, but the Bible says this. That is why it's through him that we utter our amen. Somebody say Amen. Why do we say amen in church? Well, I thought we just said that to make you feel good, Pastor. <laughs> I do feel good when you say amen. But that's not why we say amen. Well, what does the word amen mean? It means so be it. When you hear something and you say amen, you're saying, I agree, so be it. So watch this. So Jesus is heaven's yes, and our amen says, I agree with God. How does guilt and condemnation die? You've got to come into agreement with God over heaven's yes, Jesus himself. Come on, do you believe that? This is a big deal. Uh, look at what it says in the Message Bible, 2 Corinthians 1.20. Whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of Jesus. <laughs> That's a great thought. Lord, forgive me. God, I'm so sorry for what I did. I feel, I feel terrible for what I said. I didn't act right. Will you wash me and cleanse me? And God stamps heaven's yes. Psh, paid in full. You don't owe God anything. You walk away clean, holy, righteous, 
pure. You see, you'll never do anything great for God if you're constantly battling guilt and condemnation. And the devil knows it. And that's why he says, quack, quack. Some of you are dealing with the quacks right now. Devil sitting on your shoulder saying, quack. Yeah, that's good for him. That's good for all these spiritual people in the church. But if the pastor knew about you, what I know about you, quack, quack. You say, shut up, devil. We don't say shut up in my house. Babe, is that okay? We're talking to the devil, though, right? We're going to put the devil in his place. We're going to say, shut your mouth, devil. How are you going to silence the enemy? You got to open your mouth. You got something to say. You say yes and amen to everything that God has spoken over you. Come on, somebody say yes and amen. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Here's what we do. When we mess up, and you're going to mess up, and you got to own it. You can't hide. Listen, God saw from the window when he was washing dishes. He saw what you did to that duck, but he loves you. So you come to him and you say, I did it. I admit it. I quit it. So forget it. Some of you keep reminding God of something he's already forgiven and forgotten. Can I have a good amen? Oh, that's just the first promise. My goodness. Look at this second promise. It's found in Philippians 4.19. That's with your past. I want you to know your past can be forgiven. Some of you, we're going to pray before we leave today. I don't want you walking out of here being haunted by the things that you've done in your past. God forgives. He forgives. Now let's talk about the present. Okay, look at the scripture, Philippians 4.19. Here's another promise. And my God, somebody say, my God, shall supply all of your needs. Say your needs. According to his riches in glory by who? By Christ Jesus. Here's, Here's the promise of your present. It's a promise of plenty. If God says, I'm going to forgive your yesterdays, He says, I'm going to give you everything you need today. This is big. Notice the scripture here. He says, my God. You know what that implies? Relationship. If you don't know him as your God, you can't claim this promise of provision. But when you're in relationship, I am his and he is mine. You know, on my cell phone, I have my wife stored in my cell phone, and she's not stored as Rachel Heyman. I don't know who Rachel Heyman is, but I know who my baby is. Hey. <laughs> Look, when I, I, my phone's ringing and I see my baby and it's a picture of her face, I'm like, Give me just a minute. I got to take care of something important here. <laughs> Why? Because I'm hers, and guess what? She's mine. Now, how, you know how I'm stored in her phone? Hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, fire. Come on, in Jesus' name. Hear me, church. When you're in relationship with God, you don't have anything to worry about as it relates to your finances. When it, when it comes to money, I was reading again in 1 Kings 17. I don't have time to teach it, but I'll tell you the story of the prophet Elijah. And, you know, I'm, one day I'm going to preach a message called A Place Called There. 
a place called there. God told Elijah, I want you to go to the brook called Cherith. I will provide for you there. Now, what's interesting is this was during a drought. There was severe famine in the land, and God told him to go by the brook. He says, there I will provide for you. Now, how did God provide for him? Ravens came and brought him food every morning and every night. That's the original DoorDash. Can I have a good amen? <laughs> Can you imagine just chilling by the brook, and man, here comes the birds. wonder what they bring in the day. Oh, I like a, I like, I like fresh salmon. Oh, that's nice, a little asparagus. Oh man, good. Can't wait till later today. You know, every morning and every evening, ravens came and brought him food, drank out of the river. Why? Because God said, "I'm going to take care of you there." But guess what? There was a drought. What happens to the river during a time of drought? It dries up. Birds stop delivering. What God say? I want you to go to the village called Zarephath. There's a widow in that village. I'm going to take care of you there. Listen, a place called there. Guess what? He sees this widow down to her last meal. Do you know the story? God supernaturally provided not just for Elijah, but also for this widow. What, what am I saying? Who was Elijah's source? It wasn't the ravens. Because they stopped coming. It wasn't the brook because it dried up. It wasn't even the widow. But God says, I'm taking care of you there and there and there and there. Wherever I tell you to go, I will take care of you. Come on, can I have a good amen? This is the promise that I have been, oh, listen, Psalm 37, 18. I was claiming this promise six months ago. I've prayed this over your life, over this church, over our staff, and over me personally. The scripture says in Psalm 37, 18 and 19, day by day, the Lord takes care of the innocent. They will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. Watch this. They will not be disgraced in hard times. And even in famine, they'll have more than enough. Hey, are we living in some economic hard times? God, you said you wouldn't disgrace us. You're not going to disgrace us in hard times. And even in financial famine, I'm going to have everything that I need. Why? Because I'm in relationship with the Lord. Listen to this. I got this in the mail this week. This is a letter from one of our, our dear church members at LCIW. She writes me this letter. She says, greetings, HPC family. I am a faithful member of Healing Place Church Ministry at LCIW, area number one. I thank God for this ministry and all of your servants, Miss Ann, Miss Doris, Miss Lulu, also Mike Davis, all the others who faithfully come every week. Just sending a little intro of myself because I want to be obedient and start giving my tithes. That's 10%. Scripture talks about the tithe belonging to the Lord. She says, I want to start giving my tithes. My pay is $8 per week. I will send my tithes each month. Miss Ann has been talking about the principle of putting God first. She said this. She says, I've, about ministering about putting God first, and I have to repent and be obedient with the least. 
faithful with the least because I was going to start giving my tithes once I got home. But the Spirit laid it on my heart to start now with the least. Then that discipline of giving will already be planted in me. Thank you, Lord, and thank you for Miss Ann. Thank you, HPC family. Can, I, can we celebrate? Let me tell you something about this lady. God's going to take care of her there and there and there. Why? Because she's in covenant relationship with God. And when you put God first in your resource, you don't have to worry about anything else. He's going to supply all of our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. His riches. His riches. How is God going to supply for me? He's got enough. Do you know at the front of my neighborhood, when I leave my neighborhood, there is a, there's this huge cow field. And it's a field where cows graze. And I'm telling you, there's probably 50, 60, 75 cows. Every time I leave my neighborhood, when I see those cows, those cows have become my friends. I mean, I, 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 I like them. I really do. They're like, I roll my window down and I talk to those cows. You know what? They talk back to me too. We've developed kind of this, this relationship, this friendship. I think they, they recognize me when I pull up and they say, hey, to all their friends, hey, there's a crazy guy. <laughs> Let's go see what he has to say. And then when I come home at the end of the day, I see those cows, and I, I ask them, about, hey, how was your day? It kind of sounds like, Mwah. but we understand each other. Cows speak. You say, Mike, why is that important? Because God is using that as a reminder to me every single day. Psalm 50, verse 10, he says, I own the cattle on a thousand hills. Guess what? It, back in ancient days, if you had one cow... You were rich. If you had a whole herd of cows, you were filthy rich. But if you owned the cattle on a thousand hills, that's bougie at a whole nother level. Come on, talk to me. How's God going to supply your needs? It's according to his riches. Do you think God has enough to take care of you? I promise he does. What does he do with our past? He forgives. What does he do with our present? He provides. Now, let's finish this up. What does he do with our future? This one is the promise of eternity. I want to ask the band to come up. I have preached. I can't believe that clock is so disrespectful. I cannot believe it. Look at this last promise as it relates to our future. 1 Peter 1, 3, and 4. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we have been what? Come on, say that phrase. Say, born again. By his mercy, we have been born a second time. Because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless what? Inheritance. It's an inheritance that's kept in heaven for you. An inheritance that's pure and undefiled. It's an inheritance that's beyond the reach of change and decay. Why? Because you've been born again.
You see, all of us have been born in the natural. You've been born once. But only those who have been born of the Spirit can claim this promise of eternity with God. Because the, the truth is this. Unless the Lord returns quickly, every one of us will die. You say, Pastor, I was feeling great about the message until you went there. Well, you need to know you've got an expiration date. I do too. And you, you, you sit there and have breakfast, and you pour that milk over your cereal. Look at that carton of milk. It's stamped with an expiration date. The truth is, you have an expiration date. I don't know when that is. I've got an expiration date. It may be today. I tell you this, when you're born again, if that date is today, you're ready. In fact, death is not termination. It's simply transition. When you've received an inheritance, now, now th this is important, an inheritance is not earned, it's given. You don't earn an inheritance, you earn a wage. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, inheritance is a gift. You don't earn it, you don't deserve it, you don't work for it. Man, God says yes and amen. When you say yes to Jesus, there's an inheritance that's laid up for you. When do you receive that inheritance? Well, somebody has to die. Jesus died and was raised from the dead. So on that day, we can be resurrected with him. You don't have to fear the future. This is a promise for your future. God forgives our past. He provides for our present but he secures our future. It is kept in his safe care for all eternity. Do you receive that today? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.